Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. I think we don't have the talent that we had planned on. But I think you uh, have the talent that if you uh, don't have those setbacks early, uh, you'll win ball games. We have that kind of talent. Uh, I'm not deliberately uh, wanting to uh, make excuses, but we can play better uh, than we played last night by simply not having early turnovers. That's Jerry Jones. Clearly stressed over the Cowboys' 2-4 and four start, kind of trying to explain it away. But he wants to win a Super Bowl, and they're so far away from it. They're not going to do it unless he gives up football control. But until then, he's Jerry Jones, and they're the Cowboys, PK. So he talks and people listen. So how they win Super Bowls before? He didn't have control? No, Jimmy Johnson did. But he's well, named himself general manager. <laughs> I think Jimmy's retired now. <laughs> Plus, they got on each other's nerves. And then apparently they were in some bar and got liquored up and got into an argument and called each other's names, and that was the end of that. That sounds like me and you. We've managed to overcome it. Not everybody is as team-oriented as us, PK. Uh, the NFL has planned they can move the Super Bowl back as far as four weeks if the games continue to be rescheduled. That comes from Green Bay Packers president Mark Murphy. He made the comments during a pep rally, a virtual pep rally, that was held ahead of Green Bay's game against Tampa Bay. We haven't heard the NFL say that, but it makes sense. There's so much money at stake, and they're the NFL, so if they move on the calendar, well, a lot of viewers will go with them. Oh, geez, I think everybody will, won't they? I mean, those who want to go. I don't think so. those who want to go are not going to say, nah, I'm not going to go because they moved it back. I mean, we understand this is a situation here. And then you're right. That just makes total sense that they would do that. I would actually suspect that it would be moved back a week or two minimum. It'll be interesting to see what it does for the golf in Phoenix, you know, because that place is just crazy on Super Bowl weekend because so many people come in, go to the golf tournament. It's funny. You want to go to the golf tournament, you go on Sunday because it has a like less than half the crowd because people are scattering to get home or get in front of the television for the Super Bowl. So I think we as an American public demand that the Super Bowl be played unless it's absolutely impossible. And so if they move it back a few weeks, so be it. The Saints have approved 3,000 fans in attendance. California is going to let fans into outdoor stadiums for pro sporting events on a county-by-county basis. Right now, Santa Clara County, where the Niners play, meets the threshold, so the Niners could get a few thousand fans in there. Uh, Apparently not so much in L.A. right now. We'll have to see how that goes. So we'll keep seeing a scattering of fans at games. Well, Santa Clara said it's not happening. There are officials in the county. Not prepared to allow it. Give it time. A scattering or a smattering? Either one. Well, except in Santa Clara. I like yet. smattering. You like yeah, smattering? I think it makes a big difference. You can scatter yeah. the smatter Even if there's of people just, in the uh, stands. As you say, a few thousand. Yeah. I, I think it makes a difference. I mean, it looks it just looks more normal. And I want things to return to normal if possible. The Washington football team still might be going by that name, football team, uh, next year. The team president said there's Guys. a pretty good chance they'll have another year of this. Pigskins, PK. Guys. 
You got more time to make it happen. <laughs> Get yourself on a Washington radio show and throw that out there, would you? Tell me that doesn't make total sense. It does. They want to call them the skins. Yes. It's football. Pig skins. <laughs> right. They can keep the color skins. The team that had the nickname the, the Hogs for years. Right. Perfect. The O-line was the Hogs. This works. <laughs> would you get on that? And Me? like most things that I do, I'll let you have the credit. Oh, thanks, PK. <laughs> The Miami Dolphins, let's get to some real football news here. The Dolphins are making the quarterback switch. This broke during the show uh, late yesterday to final hour. The news came out. They're going with Tua Tagovailoa out of Alabama. The rookie's going to be their starting quarterback. He's going to replace Ryan Fitzpatrick. There are many odd things about this. Uh, Fitzpatrick had a couple games, and the Dolphins are 3-3 three and three in a game out of the division lead. But prioritizing the long-term good of the franchise over the possibility of getting into a playoff this year and then having to hit reset with another quarterback, they're going with Tua. Why not start him against the Jets, who are horrible? Uh, the thing was they want him to play without starting, put him in kind of at the end of the game when there's less pressure. Plus, they got a bye week, an extra week to get him ready. Man, it's going to be a good team. He's going to have to play the Rams. So, But they're doing it now, not in uh, December or not next year. Get on with it already. That's yeah, I don't going. care a week or two, the opponent or two, because you need to find out if this guy can play. There's no guarantee, as we've seen many, many times over. Just because you're picked high, that's all well and good as far as you making the team early. But you got to be able to play, and draft spot has no bearing on whether you can play or not. So they got to get going on this thing here for a multitude of reasons. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Chris, I know you had BYU-Houston over the weekend. BYU, to me, has one of the best quarterbacks in the country in Zach Wilson. I had them week one against Navy. You guys all know how that went. I was so impressed by him in every facet, not just his performance on the field, but he is such a good kid. He was so fun to talk to. He's so charismatic. He's a cutie patootie, too. Um, (laughs) Give me your impressions of BYU and Zach Wilson. I'm just going to like profess it here. My love for Zach Wilson is off the charts. I had him last year and like it's hard over Zoom when you walk in a room with him and he's got these crystal blue eyes and he looks <laughs> like a boy band guy, right? He has the look of a quarterback. I'm tired of quarterbacks being objectified, PK, for their physical looks. Well, it depends on how you want to go with that. For me, I don't have a problem with it. But could you imagine if it was the other way around? Yes. I mean, <laughs> the suspensions would follow. Suspensions? No. You mean firings? Firings. Probably terminations, yeah. But, you know, when you listen to uh, Allison Williams, who I'm familiar with, I've been on the sidelines with her many times over, not sure who the other woman is. Chris Budden. I, I mean, I know I got it. I mean, you can yeah. see the name here. Yach sends me the thing. I'm looking at the name. I follow it. I don't know who that is. I happen to know who Allison Williams. I don't know her personally, but as I say, I've been on the sideline. I've probably been on the sideline with the other lady. I just don't know. Uh, to me, I can take that in the context that it was meant. I don't think that everything has to be treated equal in that way. So somehow, maybe this is just me, somehow it seems more acceptable under this circumstance because uh, women have been harassed for their looks for so many years, uh, good and bad, and and that's a joke. Remember when Brent Musburger, when I was at A.J. McCarron's girlfriend, Mm -hmm. 
and he just went on, quarterbacks always get the bays, blah, 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 blah. And I thought that was ridiculous because, you know, if you're raising a teenage girl who isn't a babe, uh, you know, what do they think on that? And, and so, but here somehow I can, I can accept it better, but I know some people would have a fit on that. University of Utah junior running back T.J. Green has announced that he is going to enter the NCAA transfer portal. He ran for 258 yards and a touchdown in limited action. He played in 25 career games for Utah. P.K., the first thing I thought when I saw this was the depth chart is shaken out and he's not as high on it as he'd like to be. Not at all. No, that's the one thing. I mean, that's just clear. I mean, he never, his name has not been mentioned in running back because of Zach Moss and the heavy load that he has carried as the all-time leading rusher. It's an obvious uh, question. Who's going to replace him? Is it going to be a singular? Is it going to be multiple? And when they get to multiple and they list three guys and you're not named, well, Josh, I wondered because he's a Phoenix kid. And so I went back. And this is a while back now because he's been here for three years. And I heard some folks tell me, okay, this kid's a player. That's a nice uh, recruit that they were able to lure up to Salt Lake from uh, the Phoenix area. It was the prior administration, I believe, as far as the coaches. So I don't under, I don't know what was going on there. It wasn't Herm Edwards staff. If I remember correctly, I might not. Uh, but this, to me, this is good news for Utah on multiple fronts. Based on what I had heard, now just because you were all that in high school doesn't mean you're going to do that in college. We've seen that a thousand times over. But I had heard good things about the kid coming out of the Phoenix area, and so that means, as you say, the depth chart must mean that there are kids that are better because these guys want to win at all costs, basically, the coaches, and they're not going to play favorites, I wouldn't think. And so if this kid, who is supposed to be good, isn't getting any time, that means you got quality guys. And then if he wants to leave, that frees up the scholarship. You're probably not going to play unless you had major injuries, you know. I guess that's one thing. Maybe you would want that protection. Yeah, if you had a slew of injuries and you would want the depth. But on the whole, I think when there's a miss or they recruit over the top or the combination of both, I think the the player usually wants to go somewhere where he can play. So it'll be interesting to see where T.J. Green goes and, and how much he plays. And then the coaches usually want the scholarship back to make the next that's class bigger to see if they can hit again on a star player. So. And this is, to me, this is a classic example of why kids should be able to have that get-out-of-jail-free card, so to speak. Because I don't think that, as far as I know, and I'm, I'm not tight in this situation, that he did anything wrong. And it's a playing time issue. Mm-hmm. So if he wants to go to, say he want to go to BYU, just use that as an example, he should be able to play next year. Say he wanted to go back home to go to the U of A. Mm-hmm. He should be able to be eligible to play next year. He didn't do anything wrong. He just got beat out. Uh, his social media post said he had his degree, too. So Even better. Yeah. He's not listed as a grad transfer, I can tell you that much. And so well, irregardless. <clears throat> yeah. This he, is what the rule should be. Yeah, it, I agree with you, P.K. It should be the rule where he's eligible to play. Uh, Mountain West Conference due to kick off this weekend, but CSU and New Mexico will not be kicking off due to an outbreak in New Mexico. So the Mountain West has... De- Declared the game no contest, no plan to reschedule the game because the Mountain West and, and the Pac-12 when it gets going, there are no bye weeks built into this. And unlike pro football, and this really mystifies me, but whatever, college football isn't going to move their playoffs back and allow room for more games to be rescheduled, which clearly the Pac-12, the Big, 12, uh, the Big Ten, and the Mountain West could need. But I think it's not out of the realm that other leagues would need it too, but it just doesn't seem like there's going to be any movement there. 
the, the NFL's building that in as a contingency plan, but it doesn't sounds like college football's locked in. Well, a couple of things here. I immediately I don't know, but I immediately go to who's what political party is the governor in New Mexico, and secondly, uh, it, it's New Mexico football. And the reality is, who cares? I mean, thirdly, this is happening in the county that the University of Michigan is in, but yet the Mich- University of Michigan is still going to play. Winning, winning matters. And Michigan does have a Democratic governor. New Mexico does have a Democratic governor. But Michigan football is bigger than any <laughs> you, governor. You think? <laughs> Albuquerque and Arbor. Back, back to that whole thing Arbor. about winning. <laughs> yeah, right. And I, 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 I'd be lying if it didn't say it raises my eyebrow. What's going on? Why is one situation, as you say, both situations? Now, you, I don't know about those, but you do or you looked it up real quick, one of the two, and yet Michigan is still able to do it. It's, it's, I read it this morning. It's on the those uh, stories on ESPN where they have like they highlight five or six stories. And I read it this morning. Yeah. Now, having said that, last weekend, the three top ten teams didn't play. Uh, Oklahoma State at Baylor, and both those states have Republican governors. I didn't know all this, but when you started bringing it up over and over, I started looking at where the, the powers were. Uh Eighth-ranked Cincinnati didn't play Tulsa. Those are both Republican governors. And LSU didn't go to 10th-ranked Florida. And those are both Republican governors. So, Well, because they had it on the teams, though. Oh, as opposed to the county? A yes. team breakout versus a county breakout? Well, New Mexico's had an outbreak on their team. They've been dealing with that. Oh, really? Because the, the story so. I saw, and I probably saw the same They can't work out with more than five guys right now. But right. additionally, they've had but an outbreak But that's two different the things there. Right. But he's saying that they, they check both boxes. They've had the county outbreak, and they've had the team outbreak. Yeah, if you have and, the team outbreak, it doesn't matter who's in, better not matter who's yeah. in charge. And then, of course, there's the other not. thing, that it's New Mexico football. And exactly, good. yeah. And right. Got a chance to minimize the losses Go here. Lobos. We've been practicing with five guys, not even 11 on 11, and CSU's probably going to beat us. So. Yeah, I'm not going to fight this that hard. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Great person, great coach. We've we've done a lot of basketball together side by side. He certainly deserves the job. The Pacers got a good one. Pacers hiring Raptors assistant coach Nate Bjorkren. That was Nick Nurse, the Raptors head coach, losing an assistant there. So the Pacers saw somebody who worked on a winning team, someone who'd been a head coach at uh, NBA G League. So uh, that combination, a new name, not recycling somebody, PK. Goodness knows there's a lot of musical chairs going on at Doc Rivers and Tyron Lue getting, uh, let's see, for Doc, it would be his fourth job, right? And then for uh, Tyron Lue, it'd be his second. Who knows, man? Who's Nate McMillan? He doesn't know basketball. <laughs> I think Nate McMillan's a good coach. I think somebody ought to snap him up. Right, so I, I don't know on this. I, I like it's a fresh name. I'd never heard of them. I don't pay attention to the assistant coaches of the Raptors, particularly if they hadn't played, if they'd played in the league, maybe. Raptors haven't won a uh, haven't won a playoff series. Pacers. Excuse me, the Raptors. The Raptors have won plenty and a championship. No, the Pacers haven't won a, uh, a playoff series since, uh, what, like 2000. 14 or 15 now. They've been swept the last three yeah. years. Yeah. They've been in. Larry Bird ain't walking <laughs> through that door. <laughs> Neither is Paul George. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Max Muncy, who was released by the A's, 
Now he's their cleanup hitter. He grabs the first. Throw home and not in time. Around the tag is Betts. Great base running by Mookie Betts, and it's 3-1 Dodgers here in the fifth inning. And he is greeted by Betts. A shot into right, back at the wall, and it's gone. One pitch, one more run, and the first Dodger postseason home run for Mookie Betts. 7-1. And the Dodgers go on to beat the Rays 8-3. I thought the major storylines that Dodgers need and that Dodger fans always complain about at some point, uh, Larry the Laker does an outstanding job of complaining about them. I thought they got all the storylines they needed. That was a really strong start from Clayton Kershaw, just a run on two hits over six innings. The bullpen, which sometimes is flinched. I mean, they had a five-run lead in the eighth and ninth, but they didn't give up any runs in the eighth and ninth. And they gave Mookie Betts a gazillion dollars, and, man, he seemed to be worth every penny of it, from manufacturing a run to hitting the ball hard and uh, – they also have Bellinger. Hey, he's got a hole in his swing. Man, if I've seen that on Twitter one time, I've seen it 100. Yeah, well, he hit the ball pretty hard, too. It was everything they wanted, PK. Oh, sure. Well, you just want to win by one run, but I get your point. I mean, Kershaw was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's just he dominated the strike zone. He doesn't overpower guys. He's only getting to 93 now at tops, but he was, he was all over the curveball, the slider. Were working great. It was sensational. Absolutely. I'd send them home now. Clayton, thanks for your good work. <laughs> We're in Texas. You're from here. You're only like 40, 30 miles away. This way you don't have to worry about the storylines. And Mookie Betts, uh, 5'9", 170 pounds. Just what a ball player. He's really, really good. And he could do so many different things. What's so unfortunate, and this really has just bugged me over a number of years. I've seen it and I've mentioned it. And it's bugged me for 20-some years. The number of African-Americans are our country's guys who don't play the game anymore. I mean, he's the only African-American on the uh, in the World Series. And that's just so freaking unfortunate. And I snuffed it out years ago when I was covering high schools in South Central. That was my area. My wife taught there. So I have extensive area in South Central, unlike a lot of people who want to tell you about how it is. And they've never been to these communities, been to these communities many times. My wife taught there for many, many years. So were you there when the high school baseball numbers started dropping? Absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. It was hard at Washington High, which, you know, give you a little. My wife taught at Washington High for a number of years. And if you want some... Uh, street cred. You know, Ice Cube, you may have heard of O'Shea Jackson, Ice Cube. Maybe. He's been in the news lately. Maybe. Yeah. Well, he went to freaking Washington, just to give you an idea. Of, uh, he also, I think, went to Taft, but he started his uh, high school days at Washington. If you do the math, there was a good chance my wife was there teaching when uh, old O'Shea was there. And yeah, and so you'd have over 100 kids try out for basketball because it was the height of showtime, and you, and, and you could barely get 15 kids out to play baseball. And it bothered me then, and I knew the baseball coaches in those areas, and they were all African-American, and obviously they were all baseball guys, and it bothered them too. So that's just my little soapbox. Uh, and Bellinger, yeah, I mean, if he, if he gets a contact, he has an uppercut. It's designed to drive the ball out, and it did, although the, the, the relief pitching, and they got really, really lucky because <laughs> I think they had guys on, what, second and third? Uh-huh. The guy hits a bullet back. That should have been a two-run single. And uh, what was it, uh, Gonzalez, the, the Pitcher stabs it in midair, and of course, Stuck the run his, second that just gets up, doubles yeah. off. Stuck his glove out and it hit it. <laughs> that could have created a little more tension, but yep. breaks of the game. 
Game two tonight, 6 o'clock on Fox. Blake Snell will try to even it up for the Rays tonight. And the Dodgers are talking about going with the, the bullpen game, the combination game. In game two, man, everything's changed. Shouldn't you be running out your second ace, PK? Because you got a deep staff. Well, I mean, they had to use him in the prior series because yeah. he went seven. All right, bullpen game for the Dodgers. We'll see if that works. DJ and PK, time to welcome in Dr. K from Stewart Healthcare, the Disc Replacement Center. Dr. K, you're here to talk to formerly active people whose backs are now limiting them from being as active as they'd like. You see that all the time? We do, and a lot of active players, whether it's, you know, you're out there playing baseball, playing golf, playing tennis, whatever it may be, a lot of people hurt their backs and their necks, and uh, we're here to help them and help them get back to much more function, you know. And that's what we do with the Dish Replacement Center, where we, compared to fusions, where you lose motion with this replacement now, we can preserve that motion, which is absolutely crucial. So I've talked to uh, orthopedic doctors before, and they've said, yep, ski season's good for business. Does it have the same impact on you? You know, again, with 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 injuries as as severe that you can get in skiing, like hitting a tree or mm-hmm. coming off a jump and really breaking something, usually that ends up in a trauma center. What I end up seeing a lot of athletes who injure themselves, uh, more of a not the extremes uh, that you can see in, in something like skiing, but in the winter we do see a little bit of a spike, and I think some of that may be just some of the smaller injuries. Yeah. So you see uh, people who've hurt themselves uh, with a violent golf swing or that kind of stuff. Uh, that's a pre-comedy. <laughs> yeah, right. I keep telling him, swing easy. Do you see with uh, younger people, is it older people and the back breaking down over time so that it's a little bit of trauma maybe, but it's also just the uh, wear and tear? You know, so early on when I was doing disc replacement, it would be usually younger patients because you wanted discs that weren't so far advanced that uh, it was just very difficult to achieve uh, kind of reachieve motion, but now I see them all across the spectrum, 40s, 50s, 60s. Last week I did a dish replacement on a lady who was in her 70s. So how much uh, flexibility and movement and how pain-free can you be coming out of this? How, how good are these discs? They're amazingly good. You know, they, uh, again, uh, some of these patients, especially if they've lost their motion and uh, they've been in pain for 10, 15, 20 years, they come in. And if they're the right candidate for the procedure, if they have the right indications, we do the surgery. And uh, most of them, when they come back at three weeks, I mean, it's, it's not uncommon for me to have a patient who says, look, I haven't felt this good in 15, 20 years. Wow. So how do they get a... How do they get a hold of you at Stewart Healthcare? Well, they can go to our website, which is fixdisc.com, F-I-X-D-I-S-C.com, <clears throat> excuse me, or they can call our number. All right. Uh, Stewart Healthcare, the Disc Replacement Center. Uh, does insurance cover all of this? They do. They do. And now it's it, it was a challenge for many years, but now all insurances will cover disc replacement. All right. The Disc Replacement Center in West Jordan. Find them online, fixdisc.com, right? That is correct. Do- Thank you. Dr. K, joining us. Thanks, Doc. Absolutely. My pleasure. Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big deal. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Craig Bowlerjack. What do you think the Jazz offseason priorities would be? Obviously Donovan, number one, and then Rudy, number two, and Jordan Clarkson, 2A. I think you have to keep the bench solid with Jordan Clarkson as a centerpiece that comes off that bench. And then the big discussion, you know, how many beans are going to be in the box? We don't know. And the Jazz actually, with the situation at COVID, no fans in the stands, it's been difficult because of COVID. So that brings me then to the next question is, if you pay one player max, then you have another player who is qualified for super. Max, and that's where the discussion gets heavy. It's going to be interesting to see how this all turns out. 
The Big Show. Weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions. Backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. All right, the question of the morning up on our Facebook page, DJ and PK. Should BYU copy this type of football schedule going forward? Brent says, yeah, if they plan on being an independent in Division II FCS. <laughs> Laying it on thick. Mark says, no. Notre Dame, Michigan State, Florida State, Texas, Miami, or Penn State, if they ever come to the University of Utah to play, I think not. But Brad's on the other side of the fence. He says, they should have done this all along. Okay, maybe not quite as easy as this year's schedule, but instead of six to seven big-name teams, they should have been playing two to three. When you're undefeated, even against cupcakes, you're at least in the national conversation. Had Tom Homo gone this route when BYU went independent a decade ago, it's likely BYU would have played a couple of New Year's Day bowl games over the last decade. Mm. If they were going to schedule this light, then stay in the Mountain West. Because I think if you're scheduling this light, your ESPN contract isn't going to be worth as much over time. You know, the real value for ESPN has been in the quality of games they played. And just as a, uh, as a weekend sports guy and morning radio host, I would say absolutely not. The magic of independence has been the Hail Mary at Nebraska and all the craziness and celebration after that. And road wins at uh, Wisconsin and uh, USC in overtime and winning at Tennessee. Man, I'd hate to miss out on that because they were you know, beating the snot okay, out of Texas State. But that has nothing to do with the contract because the ESPN has no control over the road games. Zero. Well, right, but you're getting most of these deals as home-and-homes. Uh, yeah, but the ESPN, then they're paying for the future. It's like insurance for them because they're not getting a lot of home games against these teams. That uh, and, and when the contracts all start out, no, it, but it's been a thing games. that they're ramping up in good faith and getting towards, and I think they are getting towards them. They would have had good home know, games this ESPN year. ESPN has been with them now for nine years. Right. It was an investment, no question. But I don't think ESPN was planning on never getting the big home game. I mean, they were planning on getting them at some point. Sure, but I don't think that that's the big deal. I think it's just simply program at 8.15 at night. Well, there'd absolutely be a contract for that. I think it's worth more if you have better, if you're going to be playing better teams. And I disagree with you as far as staying in the uh, Mountain West because you were getting a million and you were getting no exposure. Games weren't on anywhere. And if they were on, when they ran down the sideline, the cameras were focused on on the bench on the opposite end of the field half the time. It was bad. It was a bad product. So. They had nobody, literally, literally nobody misses the mountain. And nobody. The money would even if even if it was against the Texas states of the world at eight fifteen, ESPN would pay you more than you would get for being in the Mountain West at the time. You know, you can argue things have changed Change financially. Now. It's right. still better. Uh, the Mountain West has got a better TV deal now than then. But to me. In 2010, when they were negotiating it, I think in time for the 2011 season, maybe it was 11 for 12, but I think it was 10 for 11, uh, it was 100% the right move. Uh, Things have changed, 
But as far as them getting the run this year, there's a couple of things because it's a funky year to begin with, so nobody's really criticizing, oh, they purposely went out and scheduled cupcakes. No, they purposely went out and find teams who were going to say yes, and it didn't matter what the quality of your program was that said yes. They just needed games, obviously, so everyone understands that. And also, too, the fact that the uh, 10 and 12, the conferences haven't even started yet. One starts this week and another still a couple of weeks out. Uh, with that in mind, your your BYU's getting some more run, and Zach Wilson's lightning lighting it up, and he's just got that baby boy band those eyes, and you know he takes two women to the prom. That's how sexy he is, apparently, according to these uh, young ladies there. If you weren't with us in the last segment, PK's not just going to this out of the blue sky here. <laughs> Blue baby blue eyes in the baby blue oh sky. I like how you did that. <laughs> so he's been sensational. So that's given him run. But there's something to be said because this is basically what Boise's doing. You know, is BYU over scheduling? So then the question is, and this is a little more tactical, should BYU lighten up the middle of their schedule? Because I think they still need the big games at the top, and I don't think one or two is enough. Uh, but maybe there's an argument that they should have four big games at the top, but maybe the, it's the Boise States and the Utah States and the San Diego States in the middle of the schedule. What are you doing that for? Because they're good enough to beat you. You've already gotten the run from beating Tennessee and uh, USC, just to take last year, for example. You've already gotten the run there, and you did lose the games to Utah and Washington, but why risk losing even more games? Why not line up a bunch of W's? And I do think that, and, and Notre Dame's schedule, and, and throw this year out because they're in a conference, but I've always thought that about Notre Dame's schedule. They get credit for this tough schedule, but if you look at it, there's always six wins on their schedule. They know they've got six wins on their schedule. And they've changed that a little bit because, you know, the series with Purdue has gone away. But they've handled the Purdue's and the Navies, and they have scheduled their fair share of San Diego State's and Nevada's. Uh, sure, but so what? So the middle of their schedule isn't that hard. They have marquee games at the top. What's the big deal about scheduling six wins? So what? Well, yeah, but I think if you look at some BYU schedule, I mean, look at BYU schedule next year. I don't think they schedule six wins. So that's so what? your point. If that's you want, my point. So if you want to soften up the schedule to get more wins, you can do that without playing a schedule like this year. I, what does that get you, though? I don't know. Outside of the wins, yeah, that's what it gets you. There are people who want more wins. Six. So you get six wins, BFD. <laughs> You're gonna get a, you're gonna get fired. Six well, wins ain't gonna get you job security. No, but presumably the other six you will at least split, and so then you're sitting there at nine and three, and that you played a really tough schedule. So if yeah, but if you can split those, then you ought to be able to beat those other teams. All of them. You should be able to beat the other teams, a fair share. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Boise is the only one that I would say. But you should be beating Utah State four out of five. You should be beating fill-in-the-blank Mountain West team, with the exception of Boise, four out of five. Yeah. If you're not, your six wins ain't going to get you anything. I mean, that's basically what they've had, and people have not been running around. Man, we got six wins. That's great. I mean, you, you, you want – and those, those games you can start out usually with them playing you at home or maybe even get a two-for-one or just a, a home. And you don't have to go back. 
Well, you start bringing in the Middle Tennessee states all the time, and you're going to have 30,000 people at the the end. So I I don't know that they can do that. Their their hand is really tied because what I would like to see, and I get your point about dumbing down the middle. I just don't want too dumbing down. So Uh, I'm with you on that. I'm I'm personally – I'm not uh, I'm not thrilled with the dumbing down of the middle, but my okay. job doesn't okay. depend on winning games. I, I want to see entertaining football. You know, right. now those coaches may have lost ten pounds sweating out that Tennessee game. They're I'm just gained. sitting back at the TV station going, "This is great," and they it's ended up winning it. Yeah. Uh, what what unfortunately what they can't do, which what I would like to see them do, is the, keep the schedule but spread it out. Because you have no time to regroup right. and work on things in game situations. Because right off the bat, you're playing Utah, Michigan State, Arizona State, Minnesota. You're getting that boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. Nobody does that. <laughs> right. You know, uh, nobody at their level does that. Well, and I think it's a double whammy. It is the first off, the schedule is front loaded. Nobody does that. And then second, like you say, those games are just week after week. If you're in a conference, you're, yes, you're playing nine power five games in a Pac 12, but there are bad teams. And at some point, you get a little bit of a breather because, you know, you hit the air. Yes, I, I think uh, the schedule was going to open with, was USC the conference opener or the second game this year, right? But at some point, For you hit. the Utes? Yeah, for the Utes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. At some point, though, you hit an Arizona, and it's not quite as hard. No. And, and you hit a, you know, well, Colorado's the last game for Utah, but for somebody else, it's kind of a breather in the middle of the season because they're not as good. You know, well, they had you one beat, good to, year. To, to, beat, to win your first division, you needed uh, the refs to hand Oregon the win later in the night against the <laughs> Devils. But to win your first division title, you have a backup running back and a backup quarterback, and you slaughter Colorado. That was the most embarrassing senior day I have ever been, and I've been in senior days for 20-some years. And that was over there in Boulder, and it was miserable weather, and it was awful. And the point is that Utah didn't need to be close to play their Their best best game. game. And they just waltzed in there. They knew it. So talk about a cream puff. That's what Colorado, Colorado wasn't even close to anything called Power 5. They were in there because of geography, and they had a bunch of people over Mm -hmm. there in the area who have to pay cable subscriptions and all that crap. I mean, that's why they got in there. Colorado's added nothing to the conference as far as competitive balance goes, and there's just not that many kids in Colorado that you're going to be sending two or three recruiters there every year. I don't even know who, who recruits the state of Colorado for Utah. I wonder if they even have anybody, come to think of it, because nobody comes off the top of my head who's actually in the state of Colorado recruiting, because why bother? There's nobody there, and the, the numbers are just so small. Uh, as far as that goes. And so your point is, yeah, sure, Utah got a total breather in a game they had to win was an absolute laugher. It was a joke of a game. And so that's the deal. Utah's schedule has been great for them. They get all sorts of confidence. They beat BYU. Then they usually have two lesser opponents, and then they get into conference. And look at last year. I mean, gosh, really, who'd they beat? And yet they were ranked right there at the end until uh, they lost to uh, the Ducks. But they didn't beat anybody. No, it was I mean, Washington. Washington. Yeah, it was an, it was an eight-win. Wa- they beat an eight-win Washington team. That, they lost to an eight-win Utah team. 
But in between, Air Force was down. uh, USC, yeah. Uh, uh, Arizona, what an Air Force. Arizona was down. Colorado was down. Uh, Devils had a first-year freshman quarterback. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, uh, (laughs) it was hardly murderer's row. No. And so they rack up all these wins. Now, they're legit when you're sending that many guys to the NFL. I mean, it speaks for itself. But nevertheless, they weren't exactly pushed. And I, and I, I can't say they didn't beat anybody because going up to Seattle, that was a huge game. I was there for that game. And you can feel it. You could feel the apprehension, uh, metaphorically, of youth fans as I was walking around. And it's a beautiful, it was a beautiful day that day. And they got the lake right there. And they got tailgating with boats and all that stuff. And so, you know, I was interacting with youth fans every 20 feet uh, because there, were, there was a sense of nervousness. And they got that game, and it was a huge win for them. Great, great, great win. So I have to take it back. It's not like they didn't beat anybody. Going up to Seattle in that situation and winning that game, that was a big, big win for them. So that was important. And, uh, you know, so you got to give them credit for that because they played well in that game, obviously enough, well enough to win it. But other than that, I mean, it's not like they had a ton of great teams, whereas BYU, uh, you know, running out there with a much tougher schedule – and their team isn't as good because they don't beat Utah and they don't send near amount of the guys to the pros. So you add all that up <clears throat> and should be why you schedule this way. There's something to be said for it. But I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I you can't would? rule it out. This is but I see, can't. this is what you're saying when Tom Homo says, Hey, if you want ten wins, I'll schedule. I know, 10 I know, wins. I know, I know. And everybody's running around. We're talking BYU all day. Now, we don't have the okay. Utes and the Aggies to talk right. about yet, so I get <laughs> that. There's I understand no, that. There's no but we still, at a 5-0 and BYU, we're still be it's, – it's a conversation generator because don't ever underestimate the power and the numbers of BYU fans. We have made a freaking living off of these people, so I'm certainly not going to underestimate them. Yes, but I think to your point that the fan base expects big-time games, and if you schedule a study diet at Texas State, you're going to end up with an empty stadium. And this year the stadium's empty, and everybody understands why. right? You're, not, you're just not going to put 65000 in a stadium right now. 63000 yeah. whatever they downgraded it to. I got you. So, it's hard for me to argue with you. Yeah, and I just, everyone like, okay, that was awesome last year against the USC. Let's see a show of hands. Who wants to give up any chance at that forever? Nobody. It was okay, awesome. Okay, but we're not saying okay. that. We're not saying eliminate USC. Yeah. We're talking about downgrading, dumbing it down. So you, you can't seven, pick a playing, singular if you're, example. If you're, if you're taking the Boise State example, you're going to play two big games a year. And one's going to be at home, and one's going to be on the road, and you're going to have five okay, so games. What if you make it like four Power Fives? Or well, that's what I was saying about the middle of the schedule. Back it down a little bit. <clears> on the power if you, five. No, if you the want middle to of the up. schedule isn't Power Five. <clears throat> well, it's about to be next year. It's seven Power Fives. Right. That's what I was looking. For. I just want to. It's seven Power Fives and uh, now, Boise and Utah State. Correct. And the and the thing you have South to look Florida at too. is you know when you're in a conference, somebody's going to win games. Now. You know, the Utes last year beat an eight-win Cal team. But when you play them matters, and if you play them when they have their backup quarterback, they're not going to move the ball and you're going to win the game easily, and it's ho-hum. You know, at the end of the year, if you just look at it on paper, you think, oh, that was a good win. Well, if you were there, no, really, it really no, wasn't. I'm with you. You know, yeah, and so right. if you – 
the seven games, I don't know what it's going to look like next year. It's going to be a crazy year. You know, who's going to use the extra el- year of eligibility and who isn't? And you can't predict quarterback injuries anyway, which is what happened to Cal last year. So are the seven games really going to be that hard next year? You know, in a conference, teams will be up and teams will be down, and generally it's kind of ballpark the same schedule. Uh, it could vary wildly for BYU. One thing is BYU has beaten some teams early in the year where it's looked like a big win, but then Michigan State fell apart, and I think they were 3-9 and nine that year or 4-8. and eight. They were, they were, they were. They were yeah, a bad I team. It, I know. Yeah. But, man, you were, were, were you at that game? Mm-hmm. You were at the Wisconsin game, I know. And there are people just, they're pumped after that game. The Cougar fans who were there. Oh, Wisconsin game? My gosh. It that was, was off the charts. Yeah. Yeah. I was so happy for those guys. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You hit us up on Twitter. we got more of that to come. David Nixon will run it by him, BYU TV football analyst, former Cougar linebacker. He joins us coming up at 8 o'clock. Riley Jensen, our college football insider at 8.30. And the football availability today, we'll hear from Kyle Whittingham. Guy Holiday, wide receiver coach, scheduled to speak. Jordan Wilmore and Nick Ford. We're not going to be able to get them all on. But uh, going to be a big dose of the Utes coming up at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show Friday from 2 to 7 at The Warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Prices so low, it'll blow your mind. Oh, come on, PK. I was taking a drink of water. He wasn't ready. (laughs) Here, I got it. Boom. Prices so low, it'll blow your mind. I had the water, uh, the bottle in uh, to my lift. Shiver to spit take, literally. He's <laughs> ready. He's waiting for me on a boom. I, I, I am. Got water going down the pipes. Boom. <laughs> boom. <laughs> I'd been doing that all along, and then you just jumped in yesterday. I thought, oh, that works. Right. I know. I, I, that was bad timing on my behalf. Yeah, all right. As the water's going down, I'm thinking, oh, crap. <laughs> all right, so the question of the morning, BYU fans, what do you want? Because this is one area where you have a lot of say. Should BYU copy this type of football schedule going forward? And Steve says, no, I personally like the original 2020 schedule. They may not go undefeated, but they're playing quality opponents. And no I think that, about that. Yeah, I think this is where no one fan has a big say, but you know, fans as a group, if they show up for one game and they don't show yeah. up for another, I think that if, uh, you know, if Tom were completely honest and had the truth serum and you know, he hated looking around the stadium the day they played Savannah State, it just didn't look right. You know, a quarter full, a third full, whatever you think it was, it didn't look right. You know, USC looked right. Yeah, the problem with that is that they got to play those games in November. Everybody else is getting them out of the way in, mm-hmm. in uh, early September right. or even the end of August. So you're so excited about football that it doesn't really matter. And Tom has just done a brilliant job on the scheduling. I mean, it comes to scheduling. There's literally uh, nobody has a harder job in the country. So you really have to commend him for the scheduling that he's done. But it, I think that, you know, the hardcore, and, and Utah has them too. They've got plenty of them. The hardcore fan – their voices need to be heard on this. And and there's plenty of BYU fans that are hard, hardcore. And their voices need to be heard. And they need to be taken seriously on this very issue. So, because this can determine a lot of different things. You know, I think that uh, you have to go into also one of the things we haven't said. We've just spoken from the media slash fan yeah. standpoint but what does it mean for recruiting? What is best for recruiting? What can get you the kind of studs that you need? You know, you were talking about yesterday about how uh, 
LDS kids uh, from other schools may want to transfer back to Utah. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is they're already getting those types of kids, so they don't really need those types of kids. It's trying to keep the frontline kids, the kids who want to transfer after coming back from their missions. And Val Hale told me this years ago that they would have the vote, and every year there'd be one vote to allow and kids to transfer within the conference without having an extra penalty because mm-hmm. normally they give you an extra year and everybody would vote against it and BYU would vote for it and they were voting against it because they didn't want the missionary kids coming home and then feeling the spirit so to speak and wanting to go to BYU the problem with that is they've already got that type of talent not to say you don't want more of it but those aren't the high-end kids because the high-end kids like this McGee kid from Stanford, he's going to Stanford because he's high-end. And uh, Fajoko, they're high-end. So you want to get those kids originally. You yes. want the high-end kids. They're, they're not likely to transfer because they're more likely to be going to the NFL. That's where the high-end And they're getting all go. sorts of playing time. Right, right. The key kid hasn't got on the field yet, but you get the point. Right. There will be times, and I think where the transfer will help them, where – you know, you have a problem at one position and you need depth for whatever reason. Um, but you're right, it won't be a blanket across the board thing. The real difference makers, the guy who's got to be doubled, it makes the game easier for everybody else in the field, that's who they need. But those kids don't transfer because they're getting playing time. And then if anything, they're leaving school early to go to the NFL. I mean, we're seeing more opt-outs this year than ever, so it's really getting easy for I think even the average fan is not following that close. It's easier for them to identify who the NFL kids are and where they are, and <laughs> they're opting out. That's where they are. So you have to do your research. Those kids, are they going to come to BYU if you're more likely to play the best schedule that you could possibly play? Well, if that's the case, then you need to continue doing what you've been doing. Now that they have a Pac-12 Power 5 team on Thanksgiving weekend with Stanford and USC the next few years, if that's going to continue going forward, maybe they don't have to have the four Power 5 games in a row in September. Maybe that second or third week they can play somebody else. You know, that's, I think, where you tweak the schedule going forward. You don't abandon it, in my mind. You don't abandon it. And, and play this 2020 schedule that they're playing. But that doesn't mean that there aren't ways, you know, down the line, and it all moves slowly because you schedule games so far out, but maybe there's smarter ways to handle it than, uh, than that, you know, 14 pileup they have at the start of the year, which, sure. is, uh, which, which can be really difficult depending on how good those teams are and how much you have to travel and all that other stuff. All right, DJ and PK, we are joined right now by Dr. K from Stewart Healthcare Disc Replacement Center. And uh, so you're doing artificial disc replacements now. Um, how common is this in the U.S.? So nowadays, a lot of surgeons are trained, but not a lot of surgeons are doing them because it does take quite a bit of practice to really learn the technique. And that's something that I feel very proud we've done at the Dish Replacement Center. I've done over 1,000 dish replacements now in the neck, and it seems to work really, really well. So a lot of people hear this and are thinking about, well, I've got some neck pain, but until it gets really bad, I don't want to mess around with the neck. I mean, that's a good way to approach it. You don't want to do surgery mm-hmm. unless it's the last option. You so know, how's the recovery time and how close do you get to 100%? Because people would want to weigh that. So again, with this replacement, the recovery is faster compared to fusions. It's only six weeks versus three to four months with fusions. And so it's a, it's a much better tolerated procedure than it is with, uh, with fusions. And again, when we go back to 60s and 70s, when, uh, or actually 50s and 60s, when people had knee and hip problems that were really bad, they were getting fusions. And then hip replacements and knee replacements come along. Now no one gets that, right? So we're kind of in the same transition, even though spinal fusion still has application. 
most patients who've been told that they need neck fusion are actually very good candidates for neck disc replacement. So the people who are listening to this and uh, are trying to stay active, they, uh, they play tennis, they play golf, they ski, they bike, they run. How much flexibility do they have? How much movement, you know, how much restriction of movement? Literally with disc replacement, I, my goal is to get them back to their pre-disease baseline. So whatever you had, I mean, I, I can't make you young again, but at least some of those discs, I can make them young again. I can't be young again, Doc. <laughs> Come on. Uh, does insurance cover this? Yes, insurance now covers both one and two level disc replacements. All right. So how do they find you if they want to get more information for their individual case? Best place is our website where there's a lot of information. That's fixdisc.com, F-I-X-D-I-S-C.com. All right. You can call them at 801-903-5688, 801-903-5688. The Disc Replacement Center, Dr. K, Stewart Healthcare. Join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thanks, Doc. Thank you so much.